0: You're listening to Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast, bringing you the best heat media guests every single week.
1: Here's your host, Dan Healy,
0: brought to you by At The Miami Heat UK Social Media Network. Enjoy the show.
2: Hello and welcome to episode 81 of Heating Up the UK, a Miami Heat UK-based podcast. I'm your host, Dan Healy. As always, guys, I tell you every episode, but you definitely want to listen to me this time. Get over to YouTube, check out Miami Heat UK TV and hit that subscribe button because this is the last time I'm going to warn you before the content ramps up as of October We're going to do our best, especially when the season starts, we're going to do our best to try and get content as close to daily over there as we possibly can. So when the season starts, we'll have our usual game day from the UK, live streaming shows back. There'll be as much as we can. I will not say each and every game day uh, because that was impossible, but as many as we can commit to, we will commit to. They are great fun. Always 8.30 over in the UK, which is 3.30 in the US uh, Eastern time. So a good starting point to get your game day coverage underway. They will always be there. We'll have all of our uh, Heating Up the UK episodes. If you prefer to watch and listen, then they'll be all on YouTube. And as you know, I'll have my UK guys as usual, but we'll also have our six residing guests from the US. And if you miss that, wow, what a lineup that is. We've got Will Manso, we've got Ethan Skolnick, we've got Jeremy Taché, we've got Brady Hulk, we've got Giancarlo Navas and we've got David Ramil. That is a ridiculously good lineup. Each one of those guys will be on with me every single week so you'll be hearing from each of those once every every six to seven weeks so that'd be great and as i've said we you know we've got more and more content coming out we'll have three or four new shows lots of fun we'll have our um our 305 seconds which i've been doing uh that's basically like a a snippet of about five minutes or so of basically just a take um and it, uh, they'll be all ongoing on youtube they've been good in fact the last one i put out which was something about the Heat trying to trade for, maybe trying to trade for Larry Marketing. That got more impressions. That got more views than my Miami vlog. So cheers for that. Don't know what that says. Make of that that what you will. But that's what I mean. They're good fun. They're quick. They're short. They're good. We'll have other things going on as well. Shot recreation of the week. Oli Rahimi will be bringing back his NBA-wired podcast, which is called Let's Talk Hoops. There's just loads going on. So go over to Miami Heat UK TV and hit the subscribe button and the little bell that will notify you every time we put on some new content. On to today's episode. And what a crew I've got here with me today. The UK squad are back. I've got four of my guys here with me. First of all, Oli Rahimi, how are you, sir?
3: I am good, mate. Thank you. It's it's amazing to be back. It's been really long, but it's good to be back. It's good to have some new faces and looking forward to a new season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Buzzing to have you back. Uh, Loads of stuff coming from Oli this year. Uh, Glenn Smith, he's been travelling the world. Where are you in the world at the moment, Glenn?
1: I am in, in North Macedonia. I'll say North Macedonia so I don't annoy the Greeks, although considering Yanis has ruined us every season, I don't know what difference it would make
0: anyway. So,
1: but uh, yeah, pleasure to be here, chaps. Lovely to see some new faces as well and uh, get back with you boys as well from, uh, to carry on well from last season.
2: Yes, absolutely. And unbelievable that Glenn, who's been all over the place this year, uh, this summer, and he said, um, yeah, I'm going to join in the chat today. I'm going to join in the pod. Uh, I'm in North Macedonia, so apologies if my Wi-Fi connection is no good. It's actually better than usual. So uh, well done for that, Glenn. Uh, Sam Post made his debut on our last episode. Sam, how are you, sir?
4: Oh, great, thank you. Yeah. Um, Great stuff. Not in North Macedonia, but... (laughs)
2: No, I don't think, you know, that. that's sort of about as random as it gets, so I don't, I don't think anyone really expected you to be in North Macedonia today, but great to have you on the pod and returning again, and a debut for James Stone. James, we've been speaking for, what, a couple of years uh, on on and off for Twitter and social media, first time we're talking to you on Heating Up the UK. James, how are you, mate?
0: Yeah, I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's really good to be here, like you said, finally after so long talking through Twitter and such. It's, it's nice to be here.
2: Great stuff now. Great to have you on. And look at that lovely, loud and crisp connection. That's a great sign going forward. So uh, good stuff. Really happy to have you on. James and Sam are part of our new team on game day from the UK. So look out for them and follow them. We may have Danny Rinaldin back. Remember Danny? He was uh, he was with us the year before last. Great to have Danny back. He's committing back. Um, he did say he's in a hotel tonight. He may be able to connect in if he can. As of yet, we don't know. But if he's in, I'll jump him in. Guys, We have heat media day has been upon us. We are now in training camp. The season is now means it's officially wrapping up and underway. We can't wait for it. Um, Loads to dive into. Um, Ollie, I'm going to start with you as normal, mate, because um, I'm going to start on maybe um, not a negative way, but maybe before we start getting into all the positives, let's just touch on the one thing that maybe could have been construed as something a bit tetchy, a bit itchy, something that maybe didn't go down as well. And that was Carl Lowry's comments when asked about his conditioning to Pat Riley's get in shape over the summer uh, words on the post uh, conference at the end of last year. Now, Larry came to um, trek camp late because or media day late because he had uh, some medical uh, procedures that he needed to do. So he came in late. He was rushed through, really. And rather than speaking to each individual person, he sort of addressed the media as one. So everybody rode with this and. He Twitter got a little bit touchy about it. What do you make of his comments about him saying, I didn't really pay much attention to it. I do what I do normally anyway. He can have his opinion, but it had no effect on me. What did you think of that tone, that message?
3: Um, To be honest, I've been a bit up and down about it. I think when it it first came out, I was a bit annoyed um, because ultimately this is the man that employs you. This is the man that effectively pays your wage, pays your salary, has brought you into this organisation in order to win and has tried to put pieces around you to be able to win, and for a professional athlete who has been a professional athlete for a decade and a half, nearly two decades, asking him to be in pristine shape isn't too much to ask, you know, if, if Pat Riley turned to me and said, get in the best shape of your life in six weeks, that's not going to happen, but Kyle Lowry is more than capable of doing that, and if, you know, Pat Riley has created a culture of winning in Miami, he's done it all throughout his career in Los Angeles, even with New York to an extent. Um, but in Miami, he has really created this culture of winning. And that is based on being the hardest working team, the nastiest team, the fittest team, the best conditioned team. So for Carl Lowry to come in, he needs to buy into that. And I think we'll all agree that, you know, Carl wasn't at his best last season. Um, and there were some encouraging signs, I think, in the start of the offseason. We saw all these videos of him working out. And pictures of him and he looked a lot slimmer he looked a lot more you know physically better than he did last season but then for him to come in and have that kind of attitude yeah i mean i was a little bit annoyed by it to be honest um maybe it was just a, a thing of you know he was rushed in it was all a bit of a stressful day coming back in and everything maybe i'm just making excuses for him but i hope that we see a much better Carl lowry this year um but but yeah to blanket it i if i was pat riley i'd be pretty annoyed
2: yeah, I think that the strange thing about it, James, was that he said all of those things. We saw the videos of him working out in the gyms and looking great. And I think those those uh, sort of images and, and videos, they leaked quite quick in terms of the off-season of how in shape he looked. And everyone went, wow, he's taken on Pat's advice and he's got himself in shape. And the strange thing is he came into camp and said, I didn't really pay any attention to that. He can have his opinion, but it made no difference. Yet he got in shape. This is probably the best we've seen, Cole Lowry, career-wide. So it was a little bit weird, wasn't it, that he didn't take on board what Pat said, apparently, but yet he came back in shape. I mean, is there anything wrong with what he said? Do you think that he maybe as a vet should have known better and maybe just appease it, even if you don't feel that way?
0: No, I mean, I think you've summed it there with him being a vet. I don't think many players on that roster could have got away with saying what Lowry said. Um, You know, he's a 36, 37-year-old veteran that was bought in on a, Two-year contract that some would say was a bit over the odds, but on a high contract. And like you said, there's 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 no way any player didn't listen to Pat's post-season press conference because, like Ollie said, he pays their wages. But if you look back at all the all the media day events that Lowry had, and going back over last season, his post-game interviews, he never takes things too seriously. So I think a lot of it was just more a flippant. I don't pay attention, you know. I think that's just his persona. Um, I, I like Ollie. It, it did irk me a bit at first, and I thought that's a bit of a funny comment to make, especially when he was putting out photos at the start of pre-season training of him being in shape, um, which was obviously a direct comment to what Pat said previously. But I think it's just Carl Lowry being Carl Lowry, and I don't think anyone else could really get away with it maybe Jimmy Butler, the only two that could say something like that and get away with it.
2: Yeah, and I think that, I think Cole's got a bit of a reputation of, he's never really been much of a media guy. I think he just, he comes in, says what he needs to say and then wants to go. He's not really, I think even in Toronto, he never really openly said, I'm not, you know, I'm not really one that's there to front up in front of the media. So I'll do what I need and say what I need and then I'll get the hell out of there. Um, Just finishing on it, Glenn, um, in terms of, I don't really think there was anything particularly wrong With what he said. It's more just the fact that two things. One, when you come into camp, everybody, every player, it's almost like a, a, an autopilot thing that you say the things that everyone wants to hear. They, everything knows that it's going to come back to us fans, that and us fans don't need any encouragement to overreact on anything positive or negative. So when the guys are coming in and they're saying they're locked in and we're all about winning and we're going to do this, we're going to do that, that's what we want to hear. It doesn't matter whether they at this stage whether they believe it. So when everybody's singing off the same hymn shoot and they're saying about that squad cohesion, and then Cole comes in late and says, "I didn't really." sort of listen to that and that's his opinion blah 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 it has maybe a negative effect because now look what we're doing we're all talking about that we've led this podcast off with that as of everybody else and number two and perhaps most importantly is I get that you can have that opinion but is there something that says in that mindset no matter who you are even if you are a veteran this is still Pat Riley this is one of the most noticeable most iconic figures in basketball not just in Miami Heat He's the godfather. Do you not just whatever you do, just you listen to what that man says, and you just say yeah. You've you've gone quiet. <laughs> we we had we had Glenn for well a couple of minutes. It was great, but Glenn, if you come back, if we come back, if you come back, Sam, same question to you, my friend. Sorry.
4: Um. Honestly, I think it's, um, Larry being a him. He can kind of get away with it, just like James said. But There's got to be a bit of respect there for Pat Riley. He's done so much with his career and he's done so many amazing things with the teams that he's run. And to say that you want someone who clearly was struggling with his conditioning to be in better shape when that was something really holding the team back in the playoffs, that's not unreasonable. You know, I'm a 37-year-old athlete. You need to be putting in the work to be at your best on the court for yourself and for the teammates. I feel like those comments is I just I feel like it's a little bit immature he needs to really be aware of how it's perceived by the fans and by the media it's going to make headlines it's going to get everyone's attention and he needs to be more aware of how that's perceived league-wide
2: I think I think that is it basically. I think you're right. That that basically that again, like I said, that was that was what we're all talking about now. Um when maybe it shouldn't be. We should be talking about the good things and being positive. Um we think we have Glenn back. Glenn, do you wanna sound test us? You're still not back, man. <laughs> Oh dear. Right, okay. Um we, we might have got Glenn. If you come back just say something and we'll go Glenn's back. Or right? if case if not we'll uh, we'll move on mate. Um we can see you perfectly, we just can't hear you. Sorry mate. We'll we'll move on with the episode. Um guys, the number 4 is a big big talking about talking point throughout the whole off season really. I mean ever since basically PJ left which seems like an eternity ago, uh, we've been talking about the four position. Um I don't think this is really a big deal, to be honest, Ollie, because the Miami Heat might not have a PJ Tucker anymore. We not may not have a bona fide NBA-caliber starting four, but we've still got a hell of a lot of players that can play that position, regardless of whether they start it. Um, first of all, is that most important? Before we get onto personnel, does it actually matter who starts the four? Isn't it going to be more about who finishes in the four? And for example, when you've had Jimmy Butler, who's basically saying, I'm not going to be playing the four this year. Well, last year, he finished a hell of a lot of games at the four and we expect the same again this year, don't we?
3: Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty well there. It's not really about who starts, it's about who finishes. I know there's a whole thing about, okay, I want to start. Tyler said it, Oladipo said it, Max Drews said it. Okay, you might want to start the game, but if you don't play any of the fourth quarter, I'm sure you'll be more disappointed with that. So, yeah, I think it's more about who finishes. Um, I think that. We do need a four, although almost to contradict myself, basketball nowadays is so positionless that you don't necessarily have to define a certain position to a power forward or a centre because it is fluid. And when you have somebody like Bam playing at the five, that you can transition between a four and a five. It, it, it can be fluid. And what you saw with the defence last year is a hell of a lot of switching, a lot of, uh, a lot of movement on and off the ball. And I think that I think the direction that Eric Spolstra is trying to go with this team is of fluidity. And I mm-hmm. think that without a bona fide four, you get that more often. Obviously, we don't have a four to go up against, I don't know, Yanis or Carl anthony Towns, who's going to play the four now. Um, these kind of guys. But we do need a bit more depth in the big man department. Maybe Yurtseven can come through this season. We don't know yet. He's still a little bit raw, but hopefully he's putting in some work. But yeah, I think I think Jimmy will play there. I don't think he's going to like it, obviously. But, uh, you know, going from what he said, but he will have to, and he is ultimately a veteran. He's a leader of this team now, and he will have to do that. And I think our best basketball will have to come with Bam and Jimmy being our admittedly small, but our best front court options at the moment.
2: Yeah, I think that's it. I think the uh, fluid basketball, positionless basketball is not something that's that's not new to Spire. He's sort of one that has always believed in that. And yeah, Jimmy, not starting the four, I sort of get that because fours are going to be ultimately score, uh, sorry, uh, like shooting guards or uh, small forwards are going to be more guys that are going to get you points. And Jimmy is obviously most effective on that end. But 100% he's going to have to do his job when called upon in the four. And he's shown it before, and I think he will. Um, Glenn, do we have you back? Hello yeah sorry chaps we have
1: of course i I lose battery on the headphones of course but (laughs) luckily the girlfriend's working while she's away so i've got the good old trusty uh call center headset
2: awesome you look great mate i love it um right so we're just talking now about four so uh yeah look we've got many people that can plug in here we've got guys like caleb martin max Struess. um uh, Victor Depot even could do a job there, I believe. Uh, we can move Bam over and put Yurt in. Your preferred guy to start the four. For me, I think we're going to probably see it be Caleb, but I could be wrong. I think Max Strus is saying he'll play the four. Yurt's making his case, of course. Of why wouldn't need to move Shift Bam across? But from your point of view, as we said, doesn't necessarily matter who starts, but we do need a starter there. Who's it going to be?
1: I start Bam there. I start Bam there. I move Bam down. Uh, we need some more height in the team. I think that's been a key thing for quite literally f- half a decade in the heat is that we just have not had the height at the center spot. Um, it got okay for a while with Whiteside, but that all went to pot. And I think that's a key thing in th- these days is that Bam can switch onto anyone. We know that. That's not a problem. But when you put Bam up against these seven foot centers, he's still lacking three inches and he's not got a crazy wingspan either. So his athleticism can make up for points of that Uh and especially when he he rotates down to a smaller guy or or a larger power forward anyway that can can take it to a center like Bam but he he's still he's still missing that small bit of height that uh, athleticism quite frankly can't make up for sometimes. Um I'd love to see Omer Yertsevin start there I think he's a fantastically raw talent and at the end of the end of the day what's 20 games in the start of the season if you you go for 500 of those with the east as strong as it is i don't think that's a bad start and you give him a really great chance to to make a name for himself and and get some more experience in there interestingly enough i saw in contrasting videos that In some, Jimmy said that he wouldn't ever touch the four. And then in NBA TV's interview with him, he said it's something that he's going to have to get used to and just get on with. So I don't think he's as, I I don't think he'll enjoy it. Uh, But I don't think he's as opposed maybe as at the end of the day, that man will do whatever it takes to get a ring. And if that means coming up to number four, I don't think he'd say no to doing it.
2: Well this is the thing that I sort of said when I was going through it with Kenny when we spoke a couple of weeks ago and I said that it makes most sense really for Jimmy to be there if you partnered in uh, and moved Max to the free then you could actually then incorporate Tyler into a starting uh, into the starting five and that that then five of of Kyle Harrow, um, Max, Jimmy and Bam I think is a real good blend I think it gives you a bit of everything In terms of shooting, scoring and and defence But we'll, we, you know, we have sort of covered that side of it um, I like the fact of Yurt starting I get the point that we get far too bullied off of boards And things like that when we are too small I think it is part of the modern NBA though To be small and play faster James, um, I think you've been on the Yurt wagon a little bit Haven't you? If you do you think that that's the way to go?
0: Possibly. I think, to be honest, for the four, the bigger concern is who starts at the two. Now, I think Tyler's done everything he can do to warrant a start, but if you start Tyler Hero with his defensive liabilities, can you afford to start with someone like Max Struess at the the four? Because he's... All right, he improved last season, but he's still not an, an all-round defender, as, say, Caleb Martin is a better defender than Max Struess. So I think he gives a better option. I, I'm keen on Yurt. The, the The stretch he had last year in December, January time, when Bam and Deadman were out, you know, he looked really, really decent, but he was playing against a bunch of G-leaguers for l- large parts of that. So it was going to help him, but he did put up the numbers. You know, I think was it ten consecutive double doubles? The youngest person to do it since Shaq. You know that that's no easy feat. Even you know playing against reserves in some of these teams, NBA players are still NBA players. They're all you know of of a high standard. So I think I think Yurt definitely has a place. I don't know whether whether Spo will look to start him. Um, I think it's really key on who starts at the two. I think Caleb is probably the better option um to allow Hero to start at the two. Um, but I think if if Depot starts at the two, um, then I think Struess or even Duncan Robinson, you know, no one's really mentioning Dunk, but if he can get back to being a forty percent plus three point shooter, then you know. He was everybody's favourite player at the start of last season. He just went downhill so quickly. So I think there's potential for 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 Duncan to to slot in somewhere. But I think it, it it is a concern for Miami when we go up against the likes of the Bucks. When you look at Bobby Portis, Giannis Lopez, I don't see how we will compete against a team like that with such a small team. We're obviously going to be fast. We're obviously going to be pushing the three point agenda this year which will get us through the regular season the concern the concern for me would be the be the playoffs if we come across them then we come across the 76ers i mm-hmm. think that's that's where we could struggle without that extra big man there and i think i think we still need to look potentially at getting someone else in in that last slot on the roster to, to give us some more height
2: I think that that's the main thing that Spo has already sort of said. We're only day two into training camp and he's already said, look, the good thing about this roster is it's a blank sheet of paper. We can adapt game by game and we've got the personnel to do it. Um, so I don't think he knows at the moment how he's going to do, who he's going to put in there. And I don't think whoever starts the season at the four is going to go on for the next two months or whatever it may be at that position. I think it will be tested. I think it will be changed. That's what the regular season is all about, really. Um, Sam, my... Main thing about the Yurtsev and Bam front call, and I'm a big fan of Yurt. I do like him. I think he's done exceptionally well in his time. But now you you need a four really that is going to be able to shoot, that is going to stretch, that is going to give you some command from free. Even PJ Tucker, who is small, he still would go out to that corner. He would command respect. He would, if he doesn't, even if he's not hitting the free, which more often than not he did, he would still get some command. He would get some respect. So you've got that spacing at the moment. We know that Bam has been, again, another off-season, showing him shooting. We're seeing the same footage that we seem to see every year. To me, that doesn't really concern me at the moment. I'm not so fussed about Bam learning how to shoot the three. I think that will come. I'm more bothered about Bam trying to get his mid-range back. I think that what we saw at the beginning of the last season was, was exceptional, and it went away. But, you know, if you're going to shift Bam over to the four, that's what I think needs to come, which means you're basically at the moment... Yeah, he's just drumming at the moment. You know, he he puts up figures. He's, he's he's a guy that's got length. He can he can guard the rim. He's, he pulls down boards for fun. But I don't think it works. I think if he's going to be that slow-footed and you're going to put Bam out to the to the power forward, um, it needs to have more shooting respect. And at the moment, they don't do that. Do you think that's fair? And who who do you think, not necessarily who do you want, but who do you think Spo will start four at the first game of the season?
4: No, that's more than fair. And what you said about BAM shooting, I completely agree. I think I believe it when I see it. If you start shooting in NBA games, anyone can post shooting tapes on the offseason. We've seen Ben Simmons do it. Um, With Yurt Seven, we know that he can shoot. He's been shooting in the G League. In the Summer League, he didn't shoot particularly efficiently, but he was attempting. If I see it in an NBA game, fine. If not, that's also fine. I feel like BAM's jump is going to develop more. I feel like the playmaking of a Bam and Yot7 frontcourt that's going to be really underrated as well. I mean, Yot7 showed some really good flashes as a passer. We know Bam's skill set, and predominantly he's a, one of the better playmaking bigs in the league. I feel like if we see minutes where Bam and Yot7 are starting together, they'll be surrounded with shooters. They'll work quite well together offensively. I would more like to see him.
2: I think we've got, we got some audio issues. Um are you back, Sam? Okay, I'll drop you out and I'll bring you back in. Um sorry guys, a few connection issues today, but um yeah, I get what he was saying. I, I understand that. I think it's good. Are you back with us, Sam? You sound like you look like you're back now.
4: Uh, I think so. Yeah. You there you go.
2: There you go. Sorry, man. Just finish up what you were saying. Sorry.
4: Um, I was just saying. Now I, I like to see Bam start with Jimmy in a front court. Um, I feel like that would be better. And the fit between Bam and you. Uh, I don't know if you caught me saying this, but um, both of them are uh, good playmakers. I mean, you seven show flashes. I think Jimmy
2: and Bam in the front court. Awesome. Okay, good, good stuff, right? Um, Ollie, let's come on to Tyler Hero. Um, now Tyler last year got a little bit flamed for the same conversation thing that was a year ago, believe it or not, with Jeremy Tashay to say that he wanted to be uh, mentioned in the same breath as the as Luka Doncic and Jara Morant and all that. And he had a fantastic season; he'd done himself proud. Um, people laughed at that; they thought it was outrageous. And of course, you know, he was always going to back himself That's the sort of guy he is. Um, he said all the right things this year, and um, you know he's saying that he'll put the team first. He doesn't necessarily want to, to to demand being a starter, even though today he's actually said, "Of course, I want to be a starter." You know, what NBA player doesn't want to be a starter? So he's doing that, but he's also saying that he'll do whatever is good for the team if that means being another sixth man. That's what he'll do, um, and he's also saying about the extension. Um, that it doesn't matter right now. He's not in the forefront. He'll let his agent deal with it, and how it'll play out will be how it'll play out. What do you, mention, what do you think of Tyler Hero uh, and and his 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 whole media day really? Because personally, I thought he showed real maturity and he, he said all the right things that have got hopefully a lot of fans who are on the fence bizarrely about him back on side.
3: Yeah, took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, a lot of maturity from him, which is is nice to see. Um, another thing that I've noticed is that he seems to have bulked up a little bit more. Mm. Um, I know that he's wanted to add, add a little bit more weight and it definitely looks like he's done that. He came back into last season, having obviously spent a lot of time in the gym, looking a lot bigger. And I think the same has happened again this year. Um, to be honest, I think it, we kind of go back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. It doesn't really matter if he's starting or not, because we saw it a lot last year. He was very often finishing the games. It doesn't matter that he wasn't starting but he was almost always in the, the closing five, the closing group to, to kill the games off, to score the points. And he was he was putting up big numbers in the fourth quarter as well. And I think coming off of a sixth man of the year season, he's well within his rights to almost demand to be starting. And I think, you know, if he was in the starting lineup on opening night, I would be absolutely thrilled with that and he would totally deserve it. But as he said himself, it's what Spo thinks is best for the team. And I think we need to figure out this four, five situation, as James mentioned, what who's going to fit in at the four to then who's going to fit in at the two. Because yeah. if you've got a, a bam and a yurt, then maybe you can put Tyler there. Or if you're going to move Max to the, to the three, Jimmy at the four and then Tyler, then you've got a bit of a, a defensive hole if, you know, considering that Tyler and Max maybe haven't improved as much as we want them to defense-wise. So I think he's well within his rights to demand to be starting, as I said. Uh, he has had a really good last season over 20 points off the bench like he's I think the fourth player in NBA history to do that something like that the first since Lou Williams a couple of years ago like he had a brilliant season a really really good season and I think he's kind of overlooked because of all this media attention that he gets and people kind of play it down and the same conversation stuff but truth be told if he was starting and if he's playing starter minutes which okay he pretty much was he can put up 23, 24 a game no problem and I think If he does start and if he does take that role and he becomes maybe the scoring hub of the team, which I think Jimmy would actually be quite happy with because Jimmy has said in the past he is now a facilitator more than anything. If Tyler is the number one scoring option, there's no reason why he can't put up 25 a game. But ultimately, Spo will do what's right for the team. If that means Tyler starts, great. If it means coming off the bench, again, equally great because he's just done it brilliantly this year. So I think it's a win-win situation, really. Um, I'm sure the extension will come. Uh, but he will always get involved in trade talks because he's a young piece and has exciting potential. But for now, I'm happy with him. Um, hopefully, he can just carry on this trajectory into this season and, and have another good year.
2: Well, this is the thing. I think you summed that up really well. That um, And you mentioned a bit that I think sums this up is the fact that he probably is our best offensive player. In fact, I don't think there's really much. I mean, I know we've got... Jimmy, who will obviously put up bigger numbers because the ball's in his hand and he can do a lot more in terms of driving yeah. to the basket and so on. But in terms of just a, a flat out offensive scorer, it's Tyler Tyler Tyler's our best player. And that's why I've campaigned for him to be a starter, because I feel like if you take on a role as, um, as the first man off the bench, the sixth man, And you come on and you dominate sixth man of the year scoring. I think as a young player, you want to then see that progress. And we want to see Tyler progress. He's our own homegrown player. So that's why I want to see him. And I've campaigned for him to be a starter. But James, doing that means your bench. I think Max Struess is going to start, by the way, which means then your bench, for a scoring point of view, the guy you want to come on and beat up on their players off of their bench, needs to be a a Duncan Robinson or a Victor Oladipo and... I don't see them doing that job that Tyler did anywhere near as effectively. So that's why I actually think that all of the starting probably makes more sense in in that sense. Um, And Tyler then carries on doing that, beating up on their role players, on their bench, on their second unit. What do you think about it? Do you think that that's the way to go? Or do you want to just see Tyler get his chance that he's deserved in the starting five?
0: I want to see him get his chance. I think, I think Depot is absolutely the best number two guard we have because he is evenly leveled on defense and offense. So putting him there from a all round team perspective is probably the best option. You know, he's a former all NBA, former all star, um, which Tyler will get their all star level. He won't ever be an all NBA defense player. We know that, but he'll definitely be an all star. But I think if you know the bubble boy that he once was, the following year where we went out in the playoffs to the Bucks. Last year, everybody said, Tyler's got to prove himself. Tyler's got to prove himself. What more could he have done last year? Take the playoffs out of the equation. Tyler Hero was our best player last season. Across the season, he was our best player. He was better than Jimmy. He was better than Bam because both of them missed too much of the regular season. He was our leading scorer on points, not efficiency, but on points. I don't think he could have done anything else. So I really think he deserves the opportunity to start. And like we said, his 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 points per game could increase as a starter because he was delivering, you know, 21 points a game off the bench. Yeah, 30 plus minutes a game, but off the bench, predominantly with that second unit, with, you know, with Gabe, with Struce, with Duncan Robinson, with Deadman. You give him minutes alongside Lowry, Butler, Bam, more often there's going to be more points up for grabs there and I just think he he absolutely deserves it he's he's our player we drafted you know we, we've we got him we've we, he's been with us his whole career I think he, he deserves that that opportunity to start at the two and now if we get halfway through the season and he's not delivering on defense and there's a problem then you move him to the bench but mm-hmm. I, I don't think he could have done anything else last year to prove that he deserves the opportunity to start
2: I think that's spot on, really, and I think that that's probably the way that I, my thought process went down in that in in the in the first instance is the fact that you want to see what more could he have done. Therefore, he wants to be a starter. I think he's got the ability to be a starter, and therefore you want to see that happen. And we saw it before. I think it was in his second year. Um, Where he started the season as point guard uh, uh, because obviously we had no natural point guard at that time um, and it didn't really work. We played maybe half a dozen games and then you saw him move back to his natural position. uh, And and that's what Spo will do. I think that maybe that is probably the way to go, Glenn, that maybe we do try it, start it there. I think that he's earned that respect, he's earned that opportunity, he's earned that for his own progression. And as I say, it doesn't mean he's got to stick there, does it? We can always chop this up and change this up. Do you think that this is, do do you agree with James's take there that? You know,
1: what more could he do? Let's give it a go. Oh, 100%. At the end of the day, if I'm a young guy on a team and I'm asked and given a mission to go prove yourself for one year at the sixth man and and make that work for you, and then you'll get your opportunity as a starter, which it seems to me like that was the case the whole time. If I don't, then if the the things don't fall into place the next season for me to be able to get that opportunity, we've been talking about the fact that who else would you have come off the bench? I'm as a younger player looking at adding a new contract or extending my contract. I'm going well, hang on a minute, I wasn't delivered what I've promised on and I've done my work. They've not done the work to get someone else in who can fill the role I was taking. And I think that's a key thing. I think he has, if Oladipo has developed as enough as as he should to reward him with the contract that he's got, then he takes that position and he gets extra minutes coming off of the bench and you get your young, hungry guy who's proven himself in the year before to to go for it here you go have that run at it if it doesn't work go back to what you were doing and let's stick with that and let's see what we can refocus on going later down into the season or into the playoffs but uh there was talked about maturity as well obviously we've all seen his uh his off the field kerfuffles with his uh partner and uh and everything like that i think again he's a, a gonna become a dad for the second time at a young age hopefully that will add even more maturity to him uh, as we've seen in this in this pre-season uh sort of press run and yeah I think that I would be looking at it a young guy And if I don't get that opportunity I'm going into those contract negotiations with a bit of a bit of a chip on my shoulder a bit of negativity going into it because I've proven everything I needed to
2: awesome stuff mate and you actually lead me on perfectly to the final question Sam wrap up the show here um the contract negotiations we've heard Tyler today say I've seen guys out there that have got more that have got money and I'm better than them. They've been paid, and I'm better than them. So we know who he's talking about. We know the sort of figures that he's going to have in his mind. Do you think that, you know, Miami have got to be careful here? Because, you know, let's be honest, he's going to want a a, a max extension here, a rookie max extension. Is he worth that? Do you think that that hinders Miami? Do, what the, what the, how do Miami play this out? And what do you think the negotiation may be and the figure may round off on?
4: Um, I think the smartest thing for Miami to do Wait until he hits restrictive free agency. Match any offer he gets. Let other teams decide how much to pay him. It's going to end up somewhere between Sexton money and RJ Barrett money. I think yeah. we can all agree the RJ Barrett money was an overpay. It's yeah. not worth that. You could argue Tyler's better than him. You can say he's not. It doesn't matter. He's going to be somewhere in that 25 mil a year, four years, 100 mil range. But honestly, I think we should let him just hit restrictive free agency. He gets an offer. We can match it if he plays well. If he doesn't, we can explore our options. But 25 year we shouldn't extend them before we can trade them at the deadline. Bradley Bill might become available, and we don't want to kind of put us. Yep. We've we've
2: we've lost you just at the end again, there, mate. But we got the gist, yeah. Okay, um, I think you're right, I think it will be somewhere between. Sexton and uh, Barrett-Money, um uh, 4 years 100 sounds like the right sort of figure. Um, could be Aristo letting it play because some desperate team may throw that money at him, and then if we don't match it, he goes for nothing. Let's see how it rolls out, um, guys. I was going to do something about seeding, but we're out, running out of time, so we will do another episode before the season starts where we'll talk a little bit about seeding and and so on. But there is one final question I want to ask all of you very quickly. You can either answer it in a word or you can answer it in a short sentence. Jay Crowder is available, 100% available. He's done a hype video about his availability. Um, might he? We know that he wants to come back to Miami we know that he was successful in his time in Miami if it means not giving up too much ie we're not giving up a first round pick for a guy who wants out who's on an expiring contract but if for example and I have no idea why Phoenix would do this but if for example it was a Duncan Robinson Jay Crowder swap Ollie all of you Ollie start with you yes or no
3: Duncan for Jay yeah it fills a hole
2: awesome
0: James I agree. The, the the contract money's right there. Uh, that's a move I'd I'd make.
2: Good stuff, Glim. Bring back Boss Man. Oh, brilliant, love it, Sam. Sam is Sam is <laughs> Sam is <laughs> not frozen. There. Not that He's frozen. He's frozen. Um, I think if it means getting off the Duncan contract, you do it. Let's be honest. That Duncan's that contract is one of the worst in the NBA. I don't have any bad feelings towards Duncan. He Fucking deserve that contract, 100%. But right now, I know he can have a bounce-back season. Of course he can. But at the moment, he's a one-way player. He fell off the cliff a bit last season. Doesn't mean he can't come back. He's one of the several players that are on a revenge tour this year. Um, But yeah, if you give me Crowder, who fulfills a certain need that Miami have, and getting off of Duncan's contract, I think you do it every time. Let's wrap it up there, guys. Excellent episode. Wonderful to talk to you. Um, We will be back next week with our first residing guest. I'm going to do my best to try and get Giancarlo Navas on. We'll go through the seeding um, of where we we predict everyone's go from the East. We did it last year. It was a ton of fun. I'll get G on to do that again. And we will come back um, before the season starts, again with the UK squad, to talk all about where Miami can position and how we think this season is going to go down. But until then, subscribe to Miami Hit UK TV. Follow us at the Miami Heat UK on all social media network. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please go and review us if you enjoyed the episode because it will really help with the algorithms that are always changing. Until next time, guys, take it easy. And we'll see you soon. You've been listening to Heating Up the UK.
4: Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts to ensure you
0: never miss a show. Also, go give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by finding our page at the Miami Heat UK. And subscribe to our YouTube
1: channel, Miami Heat UK
2: TV for our latest shows and fun content.
0: That's your Miami Heat from across the pond. Covered. Covered. Thanks for listening.